one thing that I love is is when I'm walking around like the Eurogas or the GIF and you talk to people. And, and I don't know if I had a Euro every time I heard that the Tesla Giga casting is uh, crappy casting, it's full of blisters, it's blah, 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 blah. If I had one Euro every time I heard that, I would probably drive a Porsche today. But if you if you flip the coin and, and, and let's say that, hey, it might not be the best casting in the world. Which is the most valued car company on the globe? Welcome to our pod. This pod is about how to make money in the aluminum foundry industry. Uh, we hope that this pod will be in the interest of all active people in our their industry. People doing components, foundries, but also those who are buying these components and developing these components. But also the third category, people selling equipment and, and other things into the foundry industry. Also, our intention is to include everyone. So this podcast will be free from technology engineering, microstructures, or anything that comes close to it. Because we believe in such a form and focus, there are the topics to go through where you can have these discussions. For us, it's just one focus, how to get rich in the foundry industry. Or in short, we're here for you who wants to go from being in defense to go to actions, to try to take control and do something as we all I think as a baseline understands that our industry is changing very much and very fast. So today's pod is about setting the scene. We will discuss a little bit what we see when the market changes, what's happening and how the landscape is looking like. Uh, and what are we actually going to navigate through? Yep, so let's discuss what we have here. It's more like a type of situation. Is the glass half empty or half full? So let's go into details. One of the major transitions you can see on every road, you see more and more electric cars. But what are the implications for the differences in a for aluminum foundry having to deliver to an ICE car or to an electric vehicle? And these effects, what are they currently? What will they be? especially with the hybrid cars, they're having both systems. If they die out, what will be the implications on the long term? Is it more aluminium per car? Is it less? How will it be? Is it good for yeah. you? <laughs> An that? interesting thing there, Fabian, no one knows, right? Exactly. No one knows yet. But still, you have to be prepared to go either direction and you have to be quicker than your competition. Hmm. Especially but, but, when... but if you go to yourself, Fabian, if you have to guess now, today, what do you think from now on, five, ten years ahead? Especially the funny thing is, for the, it's not always the most sophisticated solution from a technical point of view. It's more or less like who's the one making the design approval. And it comes down to the people who are dealing with it. You have companies like 
Tesla, Volvo, they said, hey, we are going full mode into casting. If other mm. companies that say, we like our stamping plants, we love to buy steel, let's co continue doing it. Totally different designs for the same application, electric cars. Yeah, but b before we go into this, if I might, go ahead, dear Fabian. Yeah, one thing that I love is is when I'm walking around like the Eurogas or the Gifa, and you talk to people, and, and I don't know if I had a Euro every time I heard that the Tesla Giga casting is uh, crappy casting, it's full of blisters, it's blah 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 blah. If I had one Euro every time I heard that, I would probably drive a Porsche today. But if you if you flip the coin and, and, and let's say that case, okay, it might not be the best casting in the world. Which is the most valued car company on the globe? Tesla. Uh, by a big, big distance. I think you can add up all the errors and still don't reach the market valuation yeah. of Tesla. Yeah. Let me let me ask you another question. <clears throat> Which car models on the EV market is was selling best in 2022? Um, I know which one because I ordered one as well. It's the Tesla Model Y. Yeah, and, and before casting. we go further, I would like to tell the audience we are not sponsored by Elon Musk. We would love to have a letter from our dear visionary and leader in California. We would love to take his money, but we are not. So another question, dear Fabian. How many hours, who has the lowest number of hours for building a car from a to Z, leaving the production belt. That's again, that's Tesla. Because mm. if you see it, they've included like 70 parts into three. One of them is the Giga casting. The mm. other one, the OEMs have to go to every supplier for each of these 70 parts. Hey, how do you do? How are your measurements? How do we fit it together? Align the tolerances throughout the process? Have to manufacture it? Have to rivet, weld? glue it together, mm. Tesla does one shot and everything is done. Of course, mm. you don't reach the properties of a T7 heat-treated part, but you don't need them. The stiffness comes from the structure itself, not from the individual properties of each of the individual parts. Mm, yeah, you're close, dangerously close to start to speak about atoms, allegations, and all that crap. I go back to my first I'd sentence, like who is on the most valuable car company. <laughs> but here comes the thing. I heard from another OEM, we were sitting and drinking coffee, and I don't know if it was a slip or not, so I'm not mentioning any names here. And and this gentleman claimed that, yeah, you know, Stefan, it's, it's easier to make the car less hours and all that. But you know what? We will save 30 million euros yearly in salaries and personal costs for employees by doing this. Because we don't need as many oh, quality managers, logistic people, designers, blah, 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 blah. The group that actually handles the giga casting after first design is quite small. Uh, and that gives you an interesting perspective. Not only you're taking out, I don't know how many industrial robots and a very complex uh, assembly line that also includes a lot of people, but you also reduce the headquarters, the engineering department. I think this is super, super interesting. So another thing I don't know. I, like I was asking add. you what you think, Fabian, but yeah. I, I think that, it, that Giga is Castings, whatever you like it or not, if you work down with BMW, Volvo cars or, or a Tesla or Rivian or, or whoever, they are here to stay. They will be the fact. I think so as well. 
that they're here to stay. And also, if you want to change something with a gigacasting, it takes you like six, eight weeks, maybe 12 weeks for a gigacasting tool. But then you don't have to communicate it three years ahead with a supplier and discuss with them all the commercial terms. You just order a new tool insert and then your part can look totally different. That's the flexibility you need for the future. Yeah. The question is when it will start to, to cast a whole complete car. But let's leave that for another nugget. Uh, <clears throat> okay. So you think gigacastings are here to stay? I think gigacasting is here to stay. Why does do we think that? Uh, I can start with myself. I I work and talk directly or through others with most OEMs in one way or another. I cannot tell more because we have NDAs and we like to honor our NDAs. We're a little bit like the Swiss guys. I'm from Sweden, by the way, but you hear that from a dialect. And you, dear Fabian, you have been um, fiddling around the big machines uh, your whole career. So we're both involved. We have a decent view of this market. Having a decent view of this market, let's go into the bad stuff. Now we've made some jokes about our dear OEMs. What does this mean for our dear foundries? Because I work in a company that used to be a foundry for 40 years. You have been working in a foundry. What do we see, Fabian? We see if we go from our ICE cars to our electric vehicles, a lot of foundries casting something like oil pans, engine parts. They don't produce their parts anymore. They have to change to something different. What's there around? Structural castings. So for structural casting, it doesn't really matter if, you, if there's a petrol engine inside or an electric motor. The body has to be built up. But now mm -hmm. there are enough foundries already doing that. More foundries coming into it. So there's a huge pressure on these new parts and the pressure is usually designed with a lower price. So the margins for these small parts go down and down and down until the cheapest one gets it. I would like to be more brutal if I may. may. Uh, I, I've seen a bunch of different uh, smart guys in, in different um, uh, consultancies uh, making different reports and I see all kind of numbers like 2,500 casted parts down to 6,700 or 1,400 down to 400. What I'm saying is that the number of parts are decreasing extremely much. However, in the same reports, they always claim that, yeah, you know, but the, the, the tons of aluminum is, is going up because the complete car goes from 150 to 250 kilograms of aluminum. But here comes my negative impact that most of these parts were from the drivetrain, where we find a lot of small parts in 600, 700, 800, up to like, say, 1,400, 1,600 tons. A little bit, you know, thick walled ADC 12, 2 to 6 type of things. And they are just dying. So if you're a machine maker, the forecast of how many 1,000 ton machines you're going to make in 24, 25, 26 would are they are probably very low. And if you are found in that segment, you are probably dead in five years. I'd, exactly, I'd like also to add, um, with the now bigger and bigger machines around, a 4,400 ton machine becomes more or less like a standard machine nowadays. And you can make six of these smaller 800 to 1,000 ton parts and a few stamping parts into one bigger casting that is suitable for 3,500, 4,400 ton machines. And now you have lost another six parts on your machines. 
then you don't have what the money. What you're saying is that the founders are sitting with an investment in the wrong locking force, and they, there is no replacement parts to put into those machines when, they, when we go to EVs, basically. But these part integrations will happen for petrol cars as well as for EVs. Because again, it, mm. as we had the same effect on the giga casting, if you have one part instead of eight parts, it makes it easier. I would like to. I would like to make it worse. Okay, we conclude that the bigger parts they have the wrong machines. Here comes the 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 second pill from the doctor. Can I add something? If I look, they have the yeah, wrong please. machine for the the market doesn't give them as many parts as they want, and the parts they have. They don't have a future because they get integrated. So it's a triple hit. It's a triple hit. Yeah. But we see one or two bankruptcies already. So, so, and we hear people having full order books. They are, they are really struggling to get everything out of the door. But the profit margins due to electricity and other things are actually pretty low right now. But besides that, if you look into the future, I, I think one of the problem is also when, when I look at what we at uh, in my daily work is is working with, meaning new platforms. We speak about new platform for structural castings, uh, carbon dioxide systems, uh, crash and shock systems, and and different systems in an EV. Pretty much no part is with the traditional high pressure die casting alloy. So what I'm saying is that the properties are totally different, and if you are a foundry. You have to deal with more alloys, more metallurgy, more melt handling, because the property requirements are much tougher. Very often, not all, but very often. Definitely. Also, again, a bit more technical. If you have a bigger part and you get it for heat treatment at higher temperatures, there is more distortion. And if you go for high strengths and higher negation, you have to bend it back, which is not possible in all cases. Therefore, you have to go yeah. to different heat treatments also. Yeah. But then different yeah, alloys. But then, I, then, then I must make the pill number three then. <laughs> if we look at where people want to buy their castings. I mean, when I started five years ago with, uh, yeah, I work with Semisolid, uh, everybody said, okay, how about China? Every meeting, how about China? And then I heard, hmm, what about Asia non-China? And, and now I see a, a small but increasing stream of components going from China because it has to be more regional sourced. And why is that? Well, in Europe, we have invented the CBAM, which means that you cannot import uh, components made with high CO2 emissions from China or India. You have to actually it and you have to have a third certificate third party certificate to, to prove it otherwise you pay for the carbon dioxide it's making things very complex yeah. another thing is that the big oems are looking for it so they are kind of steering this and what we are seeing now is is more and more interest in mexico uh, eastern europe uh, so so they're reducing them reducing the volume from especially china and trying to find new sourcing and more sustainable sourcing and and that leads us directly into the sustainability factor, that which I think is a big disappointment. And, and here comes the challenge for the founders that are going to be successful, is how to make money out of sustainability. Because it's not only going from a primary to a secondary alloy, you still have to, to have the properties. And that's a discussion with your designer. The thing is, you have so much other homework to do. 
in terms of how much energy do you spoil with a, a, a bad spray technique and, and what kind of condition do you have in your furnaces, etc., etc. The whole chain is actually making up to the total carbon dioxide imprint of your part. So what I'm saying is that the, the people who can survive the first pills from the doctor, they also have to adapt to this new demand from the market, which is strong as ISO TS 9000, whatever you, you, you like to state, but it will be a third party guarantee or certification. And I, I find it hard that everybody can actually do this because this is a real and true challenge. It's a big challenge because you have to tackle different things at the same time. And also some of the OEMs start to review their own uh, application process for parts. If you don't have a certain criteria fulfilled in terms of sustainability, like recycling content, CO2 emissions, you're not qualified that any buyer is able to see your offer. It just gets mm. rejected by the system before any human sees it. Mm. And exactly. that's, that's crucial. So. Dear Fabian, should, should I, before we start to speak a little bit of what you can do and what this pod will be about in, in, in um, number two, three, four, five uh, ahead of us, if, if I might, I try to make a conclusion to see if you agree. I, I say like this, I was a little bit drastic, but, but I think many small foundries will suffer that much that they will vanish. Uh, to die is a strong word. Uh, I think. They will go, some of them will go bankrupt. We have already seen this, even quite large foundries. Uh, some will take action, merge with the colleagues in the business to save whatever they can save, um, or, or being bought up because they have uh, some brilliant good customers and someone sees the value of it. This I'm, I'm pretty sure of. Uh, and, and sometimes I get a very drastic was standing at the colloquium in Allen and I said to someone after a couple of beers that I think 50% of the foundries we know of today in 2030 will actually have vanished as brand names. But is this the only problem? No. I have a, quite some experience working with tier ones. And when we were a foundry, we were quite big. Uh, having uh, six, eight die casting machines, uh, we were one of the, the, the biggest foundries there they were using. They had a bunch of us. Imagine being the sourcing manager in a tier one when these small companies starts to go bankrupt or vanish. How are all the tier ones, no names mentioned, going to fulfill this, the supply and deliveries to the car makers when, let's say, 10 or 15 percent of, of the, the foundries they are used using is actually going bust? over four or five years. Imagine the cost for this. The costs are enormous, especially what can you do? You can go back to China, import it for a hell of a lot of money because then you have to pay the CO2 tax. Mm -hmm. Or also the people that build up these castings, that know the processes, they know how to work around. These people, as soon as the company dies, they're gone. 
they leave the industry. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I must I must react directly. How much if you are a founder and I'm a founder, I'm going bankrupt, and then our third friend here happens to be a purchaser in the tier one, and he comes to you, Fabian, and says, Well, you know, I, I have some tools from Stuff Fund. Would you mind uh, producing them for us? You ask about the volume, and it's like, okay, it's 60 the first year, 40 the second year, and 20 the, the, the last year, and then it's dead. What will be the price tag from Fabian Foundry Incorporated? I mean, imagine the price increase you will have. First, the overhead of making this exactly. exercise on a broad level. I will and then find, the price for the part. I will find so many things that has to be changed to fit our production system. Then it's an emergency for you, which will be, I'm more delighted to increase the prices. So mm. it will, if you're, if you're planning wrong, that part will be could be made out of gold, but still, it's aluminium <laughs> hypergel die casting part. Yeah. So okay. So what we're concluding: the founders will have problems, especially the small ones. The, the big ones, I think, are a little bit unsafe because they are working on a strategic design level together with the OEMs. They know what awaits them around the corner. We see already. I mean, there are a lot of. Uh, structural mergers and demergers on the top level. But if we go down in the pyramid, the family owned guys, four to 12 die casting machines, there are zillions of them. But we think it's going to be problematic. Uh, we think it is going to be problematic also for the guys buying it. Uh, we even wrote an article about it and I had the pleasure to send this around to a couple of OEMs after a conference we had a few weeks ago. But coming back to the pod there, Fabian, what are we actually going to speak about in this pod? Isn't this the solution? Well, the solution for this podcast is not for every episode to tell everybody, oh, your market's going to die. This pod is all about the solution, the markets, how to still make the money and be ahead of everybody else. Exactly, because I mean, most founder guys, sometimes you can feel that it's a hobby that became an occupation and then actually someone is paying them a little bit. But end of the day, this is not charity and people need to make money. They need to make a small fortune at least uh, to, or, or a good P&L because otherwise they will not get funding from banks. They will have a problem to, to attract people. And, and I think the, the, the most important thing, it will not be fun anymore. Who wants to go to the same workplace losing money for the 100th day that year? Exactly. That breaks you down. So what we are trying to say here is that uh, now we have um, picture our market very, very dark. But from now on, we promise we will only focus on different aspects of growth, profit and markets. No tech. Absolutely no. No, especially all the technical implications, every improvement, all these granular improvements, how you'll be getting 2% quicker this cycle time. We are better in that. That's just an evolutionary increase that doesn't really bring you anything. You need to disrupt, do something new, change the way you do to get mm. leaps ahead. Because 2% mm. price reduction doesn't bring you something on a part that's not going to exist next year. Yeah, and uh, the, the way we're going to structure this pod is the following. We're going to invite some interesting people. Uh, the people we invite 
will be people that has done something new, something unique, that uh, are willing to share some of the experiences. Uh, we will announce them uh, ahead, of course, and then we all will deep dive into subjects like how to make money from sustainable castings, how to introduce a new product, new process, something new in the die casting industry. Um, we also have one special about leadership. Maybe you need another different leadership when to meet these market changes that we are seeing ahead of us. Uh, and we will discuss a little bit around that based on our own experience, but also with the people that have done this exercise. So basically what we think and what we're hoping, our aspiration is that this is the pod that will give you energy, that will give you some uh, thoughts and sometimes also check up that, yeah, that was a good idea, but I already implemented it. So you get the receipt. So we're looking forward to see you again. We're looking forward to, to hear from you. Uh, you will find our email addresses. So feel free to ask for certain subjects or uh, questions you would like us to address. We will have a question and answers uh, later on in this somewhere during the autumn, where we try to do a special on what are people actually thinking about. So warmly welcome to the pod. Perfect. What we'd like to add also is if you send us a question, we are really happy to anonymize it so that not your company doesn't know that you sent us these questions. And please remember, we have been in the foundry industry our whole lives. We give our answers out of our experience if someone is asking us. Feel free. Looking forward to see you the next time. Thank you very much. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye.